can you? See? I didn't need this thing. And now you can really hear me. Uh, anyway, what I was saying is I, I wondered who would be the first one. Maybe Grady. Uh, he's closest. Maybe he would have been the first. Or Johnny Russo over here. Maybe he would have jumped up to preach tonight. But I wondered who it would be. But it's great to be here. And I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for your support uh, for our trip that's coming up this summer. We are very excited. And just yesterday... Uh, About a dozen of us went up to Nashville for a meeting with others who have gone on trips just like the one we're taking this summer to to Baja and got to listen to them talk about some things that they've done and how it works. But one of the things that's most exciting to me was to sit at the feet of people who have been and their lives have been changed because of the trip. And as I, as I talked to them and as I thought forward and thinking back about the trip that we went on in February, and I thought about how much our children's lives are going to be changed because of this trip and how exciting it is to think about what it's going to look like when we get on the other side of it. But not only that, but our adults that are going, our college students that are going, and just what a special trip this is going to be in their spiritual formation and my spiritual formation because back in February when Lou and Brooks and I went down to Baja we were there for just about four days and my life was changed on four days in July we're going to have seven days and we're going to have more people for their lives to be changed because of this You know, when you think about a mission trip, a lot of times you think about the group that's going and the lives that you're going to have a chance to impact in that area. And and that's a huge impact. But what I also think about are the the people's lives that are going from Winchester, Tennessee, whose lives are going to be changed because of our trip. And it's going to be an incredible opportunity I've been on trips like this before, and I've, I've been able to see from the other side what's happened after we get back from those trips. And not only is the church in Baja going to be changed because of our trip, but this church in Winchester, Tennessee is going to be changed because of our trip. Even those of you who aren't going, I pray, will be affected by the work that's done in Baja. That when we come back and you see the fire that's lit because of the work that we've been able to do, that not only our faith will be affected, but your faith will be affected by the trip that we take. And that's really exciting for me. And I hope you'll be praying about that trip and also about the fundraisers we have coming up. Uh, Starting next Sunday, as uh, Oren was talking about earlier, when we have our free ice cream social. And I'm excited about it. Everybody loves ice cream, or as Brooks said, ice cream supper That dude loves ice cream so much, he would definitely eat it as his supper, for sure. (laughs) And maybe some of you feel that way, too. So come with an empty stomach if you want to. I'll probably get a little substance before I load down with ice cream. I want you to think about something for just a minute. I want you to think about all the places that you want to go to. All the trips that you wish that you could take. I know before Allison and I got married, we... We sat down and started kind of listing off. We have a document of all these places we want to go. 
And really, there's probably not enough years in our life to go to all these places. But we have a list full of places that we would love to go to. Some of those we've checked out, checked off since then, and that's exciting. But I want you to think about the places that you want to go. And all of you probably have a place in mind. Maybe it's in the United States, a place that you've never been. There's a lot. I probably have more places in the United States that I want to go to, or at least equal, than I do the rest of the world. There's a lot of places that I want to go to. And now I want you to imagine that someone comes to you and says, we're going to give you a free trip to the top place on your list. The top place on your list. We're giving you a free trip, all expenses paid, every meal, every, every excursion you want to go on, whatever you want to do on this trip, it's free. You can go to the place of your choice, and you're probably going to pick the top choice on your list. Or maybe the top choice ain't the most expensive, so you're going to go find the most expensive place, and that's the place you're going to go. So I want you to think, what is your reaction to that? What's your reaction? You're probably, sign me up, let's go. How many people can I take? Can I take all my kids, all my family? Maybe you don't want to take your kids. (laughs) Maybe you just want to go with your spouse or your best friend. Who are you taking? You're going to be excited about going on that trip. Now, I want you to think about another scenario. You walk into work in the morning. Your boss says, all right, look, sorry, but next week we're sending you to this place. Uh, you got some meetings to go, on, go to. You're going to be in meetings uh, probably from 8 in the morning, 8 at night. Or, you know, but, th- but it might start even earlier than that. And you're going to be doing that every day of the week next week. And uh, the food is going to be provided. You'll have a sandwich for every meal. They're going to make it for you. Uh, It'll be a nice ham sandwich. They might have some cheese for you. Now I want you to think about the reaction to that trip. Anybody jumping on that trip? Anybody out here? Lucas, he does it all the time. He's like, that's every week for me. I'll go. How much are they paying? (laughs) So are you signing up to go on that trip? Probably not. Or you'll probably, you probably are signing up to go because your boss just told you you were going. But are you excited about that trip? Now, before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he gave us a mission. And in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And it's recorded once again in another gospel account in Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, where he says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. Who's signing up for that? Now, unfortunately, we've been given this charge, and I'm not saying that going and teaching the gospel is like a a free trip to your favorite vacation spot. But for some reason, we treat it like it's that second scenario. Like it's a chore that we have to go and tell somebody about Jesus. In fact, most of us would rather pay some money for somebody else to go talk to our neighbor about Jesus than for us to walk across the yard and do it ourselves. That's including me. 
we don't take this charge as seriously as we should. And, and I've been challenged on this, on this thought for a while now. And what I want us to think about tonight is when God calls you to do something for Him, how do you answer the call? How do you treat that call? I want you to turn to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And I want us to look at how Jonah responded to the call. How Jonah responded to the call that he was to go and do something for God. Now, I know a a lot of the people here in a Sunday night crowd have heard this story a thousand times. Some may be hearing it for the first time in their life. That's exciting to me. And in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, I want to read it with you first. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Look at verse 3 as we think about how Jonah responded to the call. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, not Nineveh, not the place where he was called to go, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. How did Jonah treat this call from God? I want you to really think about that. How did Jonah treat this call from God. Did he treat it like his vacation that he was excited to go on? Like that top spot on your list, free all expenses paid trip? Or did he treat it like a job that he was okay losing? Like a chore? I'd say Jonah treated this much more like a chore than like a vacation. He ran, he fled. He hid. He didn't want any part of it. In fact, when you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that he didn't want the people of Nineveh to have God. He didn't want the people of Nineveh. In fact, he hated the people of Nineveh. Jonah wanted no part in bringing something good to them. Now, for just a second, I want to know, can you think of any other examples in God's Word where they fled from God or they didn't answer the call from God Kind of like Jonah did. Can anybody think of any other examples in God's Word? Okay. The book of Judges is full of them. You got any specifics? Yeah, in the book of Judges, when you read through it, the 
the children of Israel time and time again are falling away from God, running away from God. Any other examples you can think of? Elijah, explain that. His last one left, right? Run under a tree, ready to die. Anybody else? It happens all the time in God's Word. All throughout the Old Testament. We know these examples. And a lot of times we are these people who are not answering the call from God. And your call may not be to go in a foreign field. Your call may not be to go to your neighbor's house. Your call may be within your own home. Your call may be next door. Your call may be in another state. But we all have a call from God. And I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse verse 8, excuse me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. I want you to see the contrast in how Isaiah responds to God's call. You're going to see a big difference between Isaiah and Jonah. Now we know the story of Jonah. He ends up getting swallowed by a big fish. He ends up in Nineveh. He wasn't really excited about it, but he does end up there. Now I want to look at this call when Isaiah gets a call from God. Isaiah 6, verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Now I want you to think about what some things are that you notice about his response. And I'll tell you a few of the ones that I have. I noticed a lot in Isaiah's response. Here am I, send me. Five words. And I learn a lot about this man. Just like we can learn a lot about Jonah. And and where we don't even really have his words, we just have his actions. But with five words from Isaiah, we can learn a lot about this man. Number one, he didn't wait on a call from God. Did did God even call him specifically by name? No. Or not that I know of. God just says, whom shall I send? Look at that verse 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God didn't come to Isaiah. Isaiah heard God's voice. And Isaiah knew that he could be the solution to a problem that God had. He needed someone to go, and he went. And Isaiah stepped up. Another thing that I noticed about Isaiah is he didn't ask where he was going. He didn't say, hold up, God, let me pull out my vacation list. Uh, Which one of these places do you want me to go? Can I choose? Can I go to uh, that resort in the Bahamas? That would be a good place to, to be a prophet. Where do you want me to go? He didn't ask that question. He just simply said, here am I, send me. Contrast that with Jonah. 
who knew exactly where he was going and didn't want to go. Another thing that I noticed is he spoke with action in mind from the get-go. He had action in mind from the start. He d- it doesn't sound to me like he was expecting to just stay where he was at, to just stay in his little hometown. It sounds to me like Isaiah was expecting to be active. He was expecting to go somewhere for God and, and, and have action, filled with action. He spoke with action in mind. There was no hesitation in his response. He was going, and that's how it was going to be. Here I am. Send me. Send me, God. What's your reaction when God calls you? Do you say, here I am. Send me. Send me next door, God. Give me the courage to talk to them about your gospel. God, send me in the uh, teacher's workroom. Give me the courage to talk to them about the gospel. God, send me to the rec room and give me the courage to talk to them about the gospel. How do you respond to God's call? Now look at Genesis chapter 22. Another person who is called by God. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 3. It says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Notice what he said. Here am I. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3. Abraham's response to that call. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Wow. Not only did he get called by God, but he got called to take his son and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. He didn't question He rose early the next morning, saddled up, and went. How do you answer the call? He rose immediately and answered that call. Now yesterday, as I told you, we went to a conference up in Nashville uh, about Baja missions and what they're all about. And for those who, uh, other than me and Brooks, the rest of our group has not been down there yet from from this church and uh, Hannah Simmons was with us she's been down there but the rest of us had not been there yet and so going there it was all first time for everybody to hear what they had to say and we heard a great message on this very topic about God's call for us and and I want to go to Matthew chapter 14 because I want to share with you some of the things that I heard yesterday that were challenging to me And me and Allison talked about this a lot because it was very challenging what was said about this passage and about a man who we often judge for his actions in Matthew chapter 14. The man's Peter. We often judge him for his actions, but I want to read this and think through how he responded to God's call 
I want to start in, in verse 22. We'll go through verse 27 just to get started. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. The first response of these disciples was fear. They were afraid of what they were seeing, just as you and I would be if we looked out on the side of the boat and saw someone walking on the water. They were afraid. They thought it was a ghost. Can you imagine the fear that was with them that night? Maybe some of you out there are afraid of the dark. The dark can be pretty spooky sometimes, especially in Jesus' day, out on the out on the sea, no lights could be pretty scary being out on that water in the middle of the night and to see someone walking up that you weren't expecting. And not only that, not only was it at night, but the wind and the waves were beating up the side of the boat. Notice what it says, beating up the side of the boat. So not only were they afraid of the, of the dark, but maybe afraid that their ship wouldn't make it. There probably wasn't a lot of sleeping going on in this situation. I know I wouldn't be asleep. Maybe there was some sickness going on during this time. But they definitely weren't sleeping. And one of the points that was made yesterday is the fact that storms are coming. Storms are coming. Storms are coming in our lives. And one of the things that was, that's awesome about this story that I've never really thought about is when Jesus told them to get in the boat and go, it's pretty likely he knew that the storms were coming before he ever told them to go. And that the wind and the waves were going to beat up that side of the boat, that it was going to be a rough ride. But he still sent them. Now, this is a point to us that life is full of storms. I stop and think about um, my cousin, uh, my first cousin, uh, has a child who's 17 months old, and some of you've probably been following this situation on Facebook. Uh, maybe you've heard me talk about it, but I have a cousin who is, I guess, my first cousin once removed. Uh, me and Allison have kind of drawn it out, try to figure out how I'm connected to different people, and I think he's my first cousin once removed. And he was born with a heart defect, and at six months old. He had open-heart surgery, and that was pretty scary. Well, last week at 17 months old, they took him in for a heart cath, something that he has to go in for every so often. And this time, they were going to go in and put a balloon in his heart uh, to make sure everything's running right. And when they did, the artery tore. And they had to come out to my cousin and tell them, I'm sorry, but we've had a... Uh, complication we're going to have to take your son straight back to open heart surgery for the second time in 17 months 
of his life, but the second time in 11 months, from 6 to 17, pretty scary situation. Uh, Storms are coming in life. You have your own storms you're thinking about that have come or will be coming. Because what I've found is it seems like every storm that comes is almost preparing you for another storm that might be coming. Because the storms are going to keep coming. As long as we're here on this earth filled with sin, storms are going to keep coming. And that's what's happening in the world. And that's what's happening in your life. The storms are coming. And for my cousin, they responded well. They didn't have much time to think about it. They just kind of had to go with what the doctor said. I want you to look at the rest of this, these verses. Chapter 14, verses 28 through 33. Because I want you to see, when the storms come, how these guys responded to the call. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. In the middle of the night, with storms raging, waves crashing, winds blowing, he says, come, Peter. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, What do you think about Peter's response to Jesus in the first verse? Look at that first verse that I just read, verse 28. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. For Peter, that would have been a great spot to stop the story, right? He came out and he got to Jesus. So I want you to think about Peter's response to the call of Jesus. Peter was willing to step out of the boat. He was willing to step out of the boat if it was indeed Jesus. Notice it says, if it is you, command me to step out of this boat. God is with us. And despite knowing that God is with us, that his spirit is in us, we are still afraid to step out of the boat. We're afraid to step out of the boat. And what I wanted you to see there is that Peter had enough faith in Jesus that he knew it was possible for Jesus to do the impossible with him. He had enough faith in Jesus that he knew, even though he was a broken man, that there was nothing really special about him. He knew that Jesus could make him something impossible, something special. And that's exactly what happened for him. Jesus gave him the ability to get out of that boat and walk on the water. Jesus was with them in the midst of the waves and the winds. And we serve a Savior that's with us in the midst of the winds and the waves and the storms of life. Now that thought should affect us in the midst of a storm. When my cousin found out they were going into open heart surgery, like I said, there's really nowhere to turn but to Jesus. I think about my biggest storm in life thus far. 
when my mom was given days to weeks left to live, and the doctor said, really, your only option is to go to New Orleans in the middle of Mardi Gras week. And we went. We trusted that it would happen for us. It doesn't always happen for us on this side of eternity. In, in this side of eternity. But it happened for us. Because in the midst of a storm, there's really nothing else we can do except trust Jesus. But Jesus gave Peter the confidence to step out of the boat. That's what I want to focus on. Not only when we're in the midst of the storm, that Jesus is with us, that His Spirit is with us, that God is with us, but when we're not in a storm, but God is calling us to do something, A lot of times we take our list of pros and cons and say, all right, let me think about this. If I talk to my sister about Jesus, what are my options? Well, option one, she obeys the gospel. Uh, Okay, option one over here, she never talks to me again. Option two, I never see her again. And we see those bad things that could happen things that I would consider a storm if they were to come. We say, you know what, I'm just going to stay in the boat this time. You know what, I think, I think the rest of my life, maybe God will bring somebody else to her, but for now, for me, I'm just going to get back up here on the boat, and that's where I'm going to stay. And not only are we afraid to get out of the boat when the storms come, But we're afraid to get out of the boat when our life's going real well. We're afraid to get out of the boat and do something when the waters are calm. Now for Peter, he was confident of getting out of the boat even in the midst of a storm because he trusted Jesus. Because Jesus was his Savior. And he knew that when he got out of the boat, Jesus would do something impossible with him. And what I want you to know tonight is that if you trust Jesus enough, no matter if the water's calm or the water is rough, He can do something impossible with you, even in an impossible situation. Even with someone that you may think it's impossible to get to. Even in a place where you may think, I don't really fit in that place. I don't really fit there. But Jesus can do something impossible with you in that place. And I fully believe that if God has placed something on your heart, that you need to get out of the boat. And I'm also confident that God has placed something on every single person's heart. And you're still sitting in the boat. And and one of the reasons this connected with me so well yesterday is because it's something I needed to hear. Because there's things in my life, there's people in my life that, that I'm standing in the boat. And, and it's time for me to take a few steps of, in faith and get out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. Now, yes, when he got out of the boat, he did start to sink. But then there's even more comfort for us. Because not only did he get out of the boat, but Jesus reached down and pulled him out of the water. If you are willing to step out of the boat, in your life, maybe you you have put those pros and cons on a list, talking to someone about Christ, or maybe you've looked at, 
you've set the list up of of whether or not you should even live your life for Christ. You see all those cons. And guess what? I don't care if you've got one con or 50 cons, the storm is still going to come. I promise. But what's comforting to me is that when they do, and when you start sinking, Jesus is going to pull you out of the water. He will. I've seen it. I trust him. Not always the most as I should, but I trust him that he'll pull me out of the water. and He'll pull you out of the water. And this week, I want you to start inching closer to the edge of the boat. Maybe you're not ready to jump out of that boat yet, but I want you to inch closer to getting out of that boat and walking on the water with Jesus. If you're ready to be baptized or if you're ready to commit your life back to Christ, come forward as we stand up and sing.